if you can think about influencers in the same way that you think about your customers, the better your influencer program will be. You're listening to The Liftoff Show, the podcast for ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs, helping you increase sales, profits, and build a powerhouse brand fast. I'm your host, Austin Lovell, and welcome to the show. G'day, everyone, and welcome back to The Liftoff Show. Today, we've got another very, very special guest, and we're going to be talking about something very exciting. We have Cody here today. Cody, do you just want to give us a quick intro into who you are and, and what you're up to at the moment? Basically, I am the co-founder and managing partner of Kinship. Uh, I started it about two and a half years ago with my business partner, Taylor. We both had been in the space for a long time. Previously, my background was with a brand called Kalo, and I was responsible for building out a robust influencer program and got up to 500 plus people. And we did every level of the of the influencer pyramid of what I would call it, basically working with flag bearers, which is my name for macro influencers, your household names that kind of stick your flag in the ground and represented us. And then all the way down to people that we just seeded product consistently and everything in between. Ultimately, I was just inspired to do this for many different brands. I consistently saw the power of influencers, their way to build trust and all ultimately sell product within Facebook. Yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Tell me a bit about influencer marketing because as I said before we hopped on, I'm genuinely interested in influencer marketing at the moment. I'm trying to soak in as much as I can because it's a very, very interesting area. So do you just want to tell me a bit about the power of influencer marketing, how it works for brands, why it's valuable and how it can sort of give brands, I guess, a head start and a jump into a market? You know, what's sort of the power of influencers as a whole? Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, you're talking about the power of human to human interaction at the end of the day, right? Um, So this can get very philosophical as much as you want it to. We just didn't call it influencers. I mean, that term really started skyrocketing in 2012, 13, 14, sort of. But before that, we just called them celebrities or movie stars or athletes. Everybody has a network. Everybody has a certain degree of influence over that network. And so... But with the introduction of social media and follower accounts and things of that nature, um, obviously the term influencer grew. And so that's what most people think about it. And that's quite frankly, that's what, how I would define it is just anybody with um, a social following. But I have a very much looser term compared to probably what most of the industry would define it. And so the power of it is just these platforms were made for human to human interaction. And we're, they were made for creativity. They were made for interacting with your friends. And now what happens when you have a celebrity or somebody you look, for, look up to on that platform, you feel like they're your friend, honestly. You're following them. You're, you're watching their content consistently. And so when they happen to mention a product or service or brand that they really believe in, it is influential because you feel like you know them to a certain degree. It's kind of the silly example of like when when celebrities used to get on and endorse a certain president. It's like, does that really make sense? Like, why would I vote for them just because George Clooney is endorsing them? But it's pulling on that side of things. I think it's very core to who we are as humans. Influencer marketing is human more than every other marketing channel. Mm, No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think of something that I've talked about on previous episodes is that Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Pinterest, they're all native content platforms. People are on there to consume content from people they know, people they follow, they're not there to consume ads. So all of a sudden, when you're seeing, you know, a huge influencer, a flag bearer, or maybe a smaller micro influencer, 
promoting a product, it feels more natural, I guess, and it feels more relatable. You, you can engage with that a lot more because it's not this branded ad that's showing up in your feed. Do you often find that to be the case? Yes, 100%. I would even say even within it's an ad, like, I mean, there's plenty of stats out there. I don't have them memorized, but they're showcasing that people actually don't really care if it says sponsored or um, it says hashtag ad. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's also variables such as if the creative is completely staged, there's things that people aren't savvy to. Like they'll pick it up in a second. You're exactly right. It is pulling on that human element. It's native to the feed. That's what, that was kind of my point in the beginning of just like, this is why the people of Facebook, you know, Mark made the platform in itself. Getting started with influencer marketing then, I want to keep it super practical. I think for the people listening who are maybe scaling up their brand for the first time, or they're just trying to increase those daily sales and they look at influencer marketing and think, how do I even get started? You know, how do I find influencers to work with? How do I find these people that have these really engaged audiences? Is there a way that you tend to go about finding these influencers or is it pretty much just doing some digging inside of Instagram or Facebook or whatever platform it is, finding those people and connecting with them? What tends to be the best approach, I guess, to go and find influencers? Obviously a loaded question. There is a ton of noise out there. There's so many tools, there's so many platforms. What I would say is this, if you're just starting out, before I would ever spend thousands of dollars on a discovery tool that can make it super, super easy for you, I would actually use the free tools at your disposal. And one of which is Instagram itself, um, like on the platform, going to our particular profile, there's something called a drop-down arrow where you can hit that drop-down arrow. And Instagram basically is saying, these are all the similar people based on the algorithm that post similar things, have a variety of different follower accounts, but they are similar to this person. And Instagram itself is feeding you these people. So before all these tools were created, that was actually my discovery tool. And it would just unlock hours and hours of influencer discovery. That's all for free. And it's all based on the mothership, right? The Facebook and Instagram mothership. So that's where I would start. Um, you don't have to shell out a lot of money. Obviously, like as you advance and if you're for brands that are maybe more down the road. There's certain platforms, like even what we use at, at Kinship called Tagger. That's very robust influencer discovery tool. Yeah, that's how I would start. I think there's some free tools. And it. what I would say is that it trains people to see like the right influencers with their eyes, not just like all this data, but they can identify and go through a profile and be like, yeah, this is a great fit. Ultimately, you don't know. And ultimately that data is helpful. But I think starting there uh, gets people equipped to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. I think that's super valuable. And that's one of the methods that we've tried to use as well for finding influencers and creators is looking just on Instagram, suggested hashtags, locations. There's loads of people in there. And you can just keep digging and digging yeah. and digging. You feel like you have this never-ending well of people and they just keep flowing out. And so before right. we get into how to manage, I guess, the influencer relationship, probably what the best practices are. Do you give them product? And what, do you, what can you expect in terms of content? I think it'd be great to touch on first, what are you looking for from an influencer? Are you Are looking for a really engaged, smaller audience? Are you looking for a bit more reach? What is the telltale sign of a really good influencer? Is it how many you know, comments they get on the post? Is it how many likes they're getting? What is a really good sign of a great influencer? I would say yeah, it all boils down to their content creation ability. If, if Instagram got rid of follower count tomorrow, how I would pick influencers would not change. Um, if they got rid of engagement rate, if they got rid of likes, like all that stuff, because ultimately then it would be truly based on the content that they're putting out, right? 
So if I put out shitty content, pardon my language, my audience should suffer or like my, my follower count should go down. But unfortunately, that's not actually the case sometimes because there's all these vanity metrics that people get lost in. I would say quite simply their content creation ability. Can they create captivating content? Are they engaging? Do they have a charismatic personality? Are they thumb stopping? Um, these are the things that we're looking for primarily. Not to say that we don't look at other things, but if I was to pick an influencer on one thing, it would be that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. And when Instagram removed the like feature, when people were no longer able to see that, and then you just start looking at comments and then you start really looking at the creative. I think that's what took me back was you start to look at, okay, how good is this post really? Not am I being skewed by how many likes it's actually received or, you know, people are loving it that much. It's purely based on how good this piece of content is. And so moving on from here, now we think, okay, cool. We know we can find great influences on Instagram. We know what to look for and focusing on the creative more than anything. Now we look at, okay, how do we actually reach out to these influencers? How do we give them product? Is it as simple as giving them some product and saying, hey, we'd love to have some posts? Or I know there's sometimes some skewed expectations with influencers, maybe giving them a product and expecting so many posts for their work, but their time's valuable. They're like anyone else. So when it comes to working with an influencer, what do you think is the best way to start for someone that's reaching out on their own, that's forming this connection, they're not doing it through an agency or an expensive platform. What's the best way to do it? Is it just a simple DM? Yeah, there's some practicalities there that I'll get into. The best way to start, and I, I think to make that clear, because ultimately all brands want UGC, they want sales, they want any channel that they invest in to generate a return. And I'm not completely blind to that. I want that as well for the clients that we have. If I was a brand, I would definitely want that down the road. However, we have to think about what's the best system to produce the outcome that we desire, right? So the outcome that we desire is a sales generating avenue. So it begs the question, how do we start in getting there? And the desire that we're going for and the system that I would say that promises and gets you there short-term immediately, yes, but also long-term as well, which is every brand owner, I think, I talk to cares about not just next quarter, but they talk about, they think about the next five years, 10 years, you know, creating a very lifestyle evergreen brand. All this to say, I think actually seeding your product and doing that on giving, not asking, not in a transactional way is the best way to do that. I would DM them. That's a little bit more casual. Essentially it's this, Austin, I think you're a great brand fit. I'd love to send you my product, no strings attached. This is a free gift. I don't, I don't need anything from you because at the end of the day, like that is allowing that messaging one, it puts the influencer at ease of like, and most of the time it's, they're probably don't even believe you because it's that controversial, which is sad. But secondly, it puts them at ease. It creates a great first impression. You know, I, I wanted to give you my product and I didn't even ask for anything. Wow. Like I'm taken back by that. But ultimately you're letting the product speak for itself, right? Like I'm letting my products just speak for itself. Here's the product. I'm letting the product speak for itself. If you actually love the product, you're going to rally around it. If you can think about influencers in the same way that you think about your customers, the better your influencer program will be ultimately, because they are essentially the same, right? One just purchased the product. One got the product for free, but they're the same thing. You have to take them down the same journey to create actual genuine advocacy. So your question of how would I start? There's no better way of starting and generating and actually getting an influencer community to rally around your brand than through influencer seeding. 
I love that. I love that simple approach. It's easy. You're giving without expectation. And then if some law of reciprocity goes on and they love the product and they want to post about it, then that's yeah, amazing. That If they do that, great. That's some great short-term ROI. They post it for free. Hopefully you can get this content and repurpose it. That's another follow-up question that you can have. But long-term, actually, now you have a compounding relationship, right? Because maybe you send them more products. Maybe you offer them an affiliate code. Like all these things, you're just giving, 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 giving. And then ultimately that will come back to you. So that relationship has more ROI long-term than that one post that they could, you know, potentially generate for you. What's the future of influencer marketing look like for you? I've spent a lot of time inside Facebook ad library, looking at what are brands running in terms of their ads. And I see a lot of them now are partnerships with other influencers and other pages rather than just purely running ads from their own brand page. And I see a lot of influencer content being used as ads now. What do you think the future of influencer marketing is going to look like? Is it going to continue to be the same as it always is? Selfies with products, video reviews, <laughs> unboxings. How's it going to change? And where do you think we're heading with influencer marketing? More of it or is it going to change? Oh, I think there's no question there's going to be more of it. I think it'll change. I mean, look how it's changed since 2014 to now. I think you're seeing this already, but brands will have influencer marketing budgets, like set aside just a budget for influencer marketing. We still all the time run into brands that don't have that. They have content budgets. Maybe they have um, organic budgets, but they don't have influencer marketing budgets. I think more and more you're going to see influencers like actually have a seat at the table with the brand themselves, whether that's, whether that's equity or not. Um, I think the more community driven and community focused that brands are, the better. And that I think that's actually where they're, where it's going, where if you're an influencer, I'm actually asking you, Hey, who are other influencers that I should be reaching out to? What products should we be creating? Like all these different things, like an actual, like if you had a board of directors, like you actually have one influencer there in addition to your CMO and all these different things. I think there's already brands, some brands doing that, but I think you'll see that more and more. And just to finish up here, what do you think you would have gone back and told yourself when you were first getting started with reaching out to influencers, building those connections, giving product for free and not expecting anything, all of those things. Back at the start, I'm sure, like myself, I made loads of mistakes when it came to the things we were doing with marketing yeah. and advertising. What would you go back and tell yourself? Is there any key tips that anyone listening can take away and maybe skip some of the trial and error, the mistakes maybe they're going to make if they didn't listen to this episode? What would you go back and tell yourself about influencer marketing and how to save yourself some time, maybe some money and maybe a whole lot of headaches? Yeah, don't be led by inertia. Don't think that the, the current thing that's always working will always continue to work. The example for me was like in the Facebook heyday where you could like we ran influencer testimonial videos and we were getting seven, eight, nine ROAS, like just absurd numbers. Well, that created a drug that like I just always wanted to hit. Like I just always wanted to use and do it. And ultimately, like it led down to just like it dipping because truly like it wasn't always going to work. It was a specific time period. So those were mistakes that we, you know, shelled out lots of money for like big influencers. I mean, even just working with big influencers was one for a while. You know, that was like the thing that we got to keep doing. So all that to say, don't assume that what is working will always work. <laughs> you got to be able to be nimble and whether it's different platforms, different influencers, testing different strategies. Yeah, I want to be led by inertia. And I think the last one I definitely want to chuck in here is big influencer versus smaller influencer, macro versus micro, you know, the flag bearer versus the one with a smaller, more engaged following. 
What do you tend to lean towards if you're launching a brand for the first time? Look, budget is everything. You don't want to be spending an arm and a leg to work with a huge global influencer. Is it finding those really engaged, smaller influencers? Is that going to help get those easy wins on the board? Is that generally the way to go? Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. There's so many different reasons that I would just start smaller just because one, they're easier to get a hold of, easier to talk to directly. I mean, you're seeing micro influencers with managers and stuff like that, but still the overwhelming norm is you're talking to, when I DM you, you're actually talking back. It's not someone else. You're creating a relationship with them specifically to like when you reach out for content rights, they're, they're going to be the ones responding, you know, about, you know, repurposability of their content negotiating with like, there's just so many different things that you can, it's just more effective. It's more cost effective. But the one thing I will say, the one caveat to that is if you have unique relationships with macros, by all means, you should be utilizing that. If you had someone in your back pocket that like you just had access to they're a part of your company or anything like that, that you have, you have access to, or they're within your network or one person away that you think would, you know, work with you on a deal like there's nothing wrong with that so it just depends on how much it costs right that's what i would say i, I would definitely over over index especially in the beginning on micro influencers and how we would define that is basically between five and 100k 150k tops of follower count Awesome. Well, Cody, I appreciate your time today for being on the show. I think there's a lot of valuable takeaways here, starting small, not just going with the pack and going with the inertia of it all and understanding that what's working right now might not work in one day's time, two weeks time, four months, one year's time as well. So it's just focusing on what inherently works, what people want to see. And that's, I guess, native content, real people to people connections. So thanks again for being on the show. It's been really fun. Man, that was a, that was rapid fire. I loved it. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>